Well, let me uh, join Josh in welcoming you here this morning. It's my privilege to be here. My name is Scott Veer. For those that don't know me, a longtime member here at Castle Oaks. I've served in a variety of capacities over the years, from the leadership team to missions and, and other things along the way. I mentioned the last time I was up here, I was probably better known as uh, Debbie's husband, and that's probably still true, and that's still okay. So I'm glad that uh, Phil could have the, the Sunday off, the weekend off. Um, it's been a hard season uh, in leading the church, just uh, from uh, the, back in March, almost overnight, having to decide how to pivot and do... Uh, virtual church when we really weren't set up to do that. Him and uh, Josh have done an amazing job in uh, providing us with the resources and the, the technology now to be able to do that with excellence so that whether we're here in person or at home, we can worship and uh, hear the word and, and Phil's excellent teaching. And uh, we're just really grateful for the efforts that uh, not only Josh and Phil, but the whole staff have uh, really put out over these last nine months. Uh, it has been no small thing, and they've done it in large part without many Sundays off, which is good for us. We get more of Phil's teaching, but uh, hard on him. So we're glad for him to have the day away. I know one of the things the church has really been intentional about, and I've really appreciated, is just really trying to make sure we remain connected to what's going on connected to one another in whatever ways we can. They've been super creative by, you know, whether it be the worship in the park or the, the plants that were delivered to the moms at Mother's Day or the bacon at uh, Father's Day uh, or the gift bags at Christmas. I know they've made extra efforts to make sure that we stay connected, that we are seen, that we feel valued, and uh, that we don't feel forgotten. So, we are grateful, Josh and the rest of the team, and Phil for his leadership, and I think we could even thank you for that. And I would just say that if you find yourself this morning not in that place where you don't feel uh, connected, where you don't feel seen, where you lack connections then I would just encourage you to reach out to the church. Call the office or send an email, info at castleoaks.org, and uh, make yourself known and get that connection that I know the church wants for you. All right? One of our uh, long-term members here at Castle Oaks is Tammy Brown. And Tammy is working on her uh, dissertation for her PhD, which, first of all, means she's way smarter than I am. Um, but uh, she's working on a research project in connection with her dissertation. And uh, the project and the research is about the perception of the Christian's holy calling. And in order to gather some of the data that she needs, she's constructed an anonymous survey to really flesh some of that out. And as her home church, we want to try to help her to gather that data. So... This week in the e-news, uh, there will be a link, and I think it's actually already up on the uh, website, just a link for an anonymous quick survey that will really help her to get some of the uh, information that she needs to complete her research. So uh, if you have some time this week, let's help out our sister and get that information uh, to her, okay? So we're just completing uh, our Advent series on hope. And uh, the, a couple weeks before uh, Christmas, Phil uh, really stressed that our hope is being stretched. It's being pulled from us in large part due to the season that we uh, find ourselves in. And, and frankly, as Josh mentioned earlier, uh, it feels like a season that just won't end. And whether it's the pandemic or other stuff that's going on, it's just been a, a really tough season, right? And so that really stretches our, our hope. But he also stressed the importance of identifying what we pin our hope on. And by way of reminder, um, by way of reminder, Tammy is way smarter than I am. Oh, I got it working. I was going to say I can't even figure out the, the clicker. Um, what's it? It's off? Gotcha. 
All right, I'm good. And this was the definition that Phil gave us for hope, anticipating and working toward better days ahead. He also asked us to remember where is our hope, to really ponder the question, where is your hope? What are we placing our hope in or on? He reminded us that our hope is in God and God alone. And that God is in the business of making all things new. Ever since the fall, God has been about renewing, restoring, and redeeming all of creation. And he's doing it now. It's happening before our very eyes. He's renewing, restoring, and redeeming our world today. And one day we will see it in its fullness, in its glory, but not yet, not today. Until then, we get the privilege of joining him and ushering in the kingdom. Until Jesus establishes the new heaven and the new earth, we get to participate with him in bringing about the kingdom. When we act in kindness and mercy... When we extend grace and forgiveness, when we put others' needs ahead of our own, we participate in bringing about the kingdom. When we love like Jesus loves, when we care about the things that he cares about, we join him in some amazing things, and the kingdom grows a little bit more. We become the answer to what Jesus taught us to pray in the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I know many of you personally. I know you to be compassionate, giving, caring, and loving. I have every confidence that at your jobs, in your homes, at school, at the grocery store, You're about the business of expanding the kingdom. One decision, one act of kindness, one brick at a time. We are never short of opportunities to love like Jesus. Collectively at Castle Oaks Church, we are also participating in expanding or bringing about the kingdom through our long-term partnerships with ministry partners both here in Castle Rock and around the world. With them, we have the opportunity to care for those that Jesus cares about, especially the vulnerable and the marginalized. Each one of you is part of that through your prayers, through your giving, through your selfless acts of service. So we're going to have a different kind of morning today. Uh, Instead of a traditional sermon, um, we're going to together explore some of the ways that our church is expanding the kingdom today. You're going to hear about, in spite of COVID, how the church finds a way to meet and serve those in need. So to start things off, I'm going to ask Scott Stevens to join me. As many of you know, back in uh, March or April, I forget, March, um, due to some increasing food insecurities in Douglas County, we began hosting a food bank here at uh, Castle Oaks. And uh, that's been in, uh, yep, sorry. And I think it should be already on. So Um, we began hosting a food bank and uh, Scott's here to tell us a little bit about it. So tell us a little bit about your ministry and what you do and how you got connected to Castle Oaks. Well, first off, I just want to say thank you to this um, congregation here. Um, your support has helped us so much in this past almost year. Um, the need here in Castle Rock, and I would imagine other communities, is great. Um, 
there have been numerous statistics talking about how one in eight families are on the verge of needing food assistance. So if you can imagine in your community where you live that, um, you know, one of eight houses that you drive by on your way here to church may be in need of food. Um, it's just an amazing need. And so it's a blessing to be able to work with Castle Oaks here and have the support of the congregation to do what we do. Um, it's been called on my heart probably six years ago. I was driving past a church in Parker, and I, um, I heard just turn around. And I was driving past, and I was looking on the signage out in front of the church for uh, service times, and he didn't have any posted outside, so I didn't, so I just drove on by, and I heard this turn around. So I turned around, and I went inside this church, and when I walked in, in the foyer, it was rows of tables that were all set up full of um, produce, and I kind of was wondering what it was all about, so I walked up to the information desk, and I asked him, and he go, this is a food bank, and I go, now I know why I'm here. So I started volunteering in that food bank, and eventually they hired me um, to work for them. And uh, what a blessing that was, to be able to um, feel a need in your heart that, uh, or a purpose is being filled, you know? And so um, there's a song out there that says, um, the purpose is basically love God and love others. And that's what I feel I've been able to do as part of um, the food bank. So... Um, I um, stopped working at that facility after an injury, and then um, I still had it heavy on my heart to be able to serve others. And so um, I made some connections through some different stores where I was able to take food that I collected and take it to another food bank. So I, I found this food bank on Meetup, and um, I started going over there with my food. and. Eventually, I started getting more and more stores to the point where we were actually overwhelming this food bank with all the food that we were bringing in. And when I say we, it's me and Lynn over here. And um, it's just been amazing. Um, and that's where I actually met Lynn. I met Lynn um, a year and a half ago um, serving at a food bank. And from there... Shortly thereafter, that food bank stopped operation. And so we were in a place where we needed a place to have a food bank. And so we took the food that we were taking to that food bank, and we started the ministry here. Um, so there you go. I mean, that's uh, every Saturday yeah. at 4 o'clock, this place is a busy little place. It actually starts about 2 um, yeah, I've been here uh, in the morning or early afternoon, and I see you guys making trip after trip after trip with with food and and boxes and bags and. Yes, sir. It's yeah. it's amazing. Every Saturday, um, Lynn and I start about seven thirty in the morning, going to the stores on Saturdays and picking up food, and we bring it down to um, the garage, and we have a single bay garage, and that place is just filled up, and we usually do four trips. Um, coming from the stores, bringing it back there. And then we transfer the food from the garage over here after 2 o'clock. Mm. And it takes four trips sometimes to bring all the food over here. Mm. And um, we have a, an old minivan. We call it the Silver Bullet, not because it's fast, but because it's pretty much shot. <laughs> and it's got, it's got uh, 304,000 miles on the sucker. Wow. And she keeps going. Impressive. So Impressive. Um, so... We bring her um, over here with the food, and we get to serve um, all these people. And it touches my heart because it's, it started out as something um, where it was a need for us to be able to utilize the food that we had. Yeah. And now it's um, a need um, to be able to serve people. Yeah. Um, so these people come in every week, and it's, um, over the holidays, we've had roughly, the average was about 30 until the holidays came. And then holidays came, and we were up to 70 families and individuals on one week that would come through here. And we do all this basically from 4 o'clock until 5.30. Wow. Um, we serve those people. Wow. And the cool thing is we don't ask any questions. Hmm. 
Um, um, there's other organizations here in town that may document um, or take information down um, about like how many people are living in their homes and their income and all that stuff. We don't care. Yeah. Uh, we serve the folks. That, and we feel that if, um, and we learned this from the lady that operated the last food bank that Lynn and I uh, met at, is that um, if they humble themselves enough to come to the food line, then they deserve to have food. Yeah. And sometimes um, people need more and are so afraid that um, they're going to be ridiculed or judged yeah. or whatever for coming to the food bank or being in line for food. Yeah. And I just um, want to share with folks, don't be ashamed. Don't feel like you're going to be judged. We don't do that. We come um, every week with, except uh, everybody with open arms. And um, we don't ask any questions whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. So, and at Christmas, uh, you did a, a gift uh, distribution as we well. Did. Tell us about that. That was absolutely amazing. And you guys surprised us because we had so many toys to distribute on the 12th of December. It was absolutely amazing. The foyer over there was set up with tables, big old round tables. And um, we had, I believe, eight to ten tables set up out there covered with toys and we separated the toys um, between like um, educational things sports dolls and we also had clothing and um, just totally overwhelmed us so the folks came and they come every week and they get numbers and they show up and it's, this is something that's been surprising the past few weeks we get here at two o'clock and there's already a line forming mm -hmm. and um, that wasn't the case when we first started and so we have a where um, every week we start with the number two. And um, when, so I start putting um, numbers on their hands. And so they start with two. And then when it comes time to start, I come out to either the front of the church if it's nice and warm or inside the uh, space up by the offices up there. And, um, and I go, okay, we're about ready to start. We're going to start with two. Why do we start with two? And everyone goes, because God's number one. Uh, and so that's, that's what we do. Uh. That's cool. So we um, had the toy drive, and um, we had all those toys. We distributed them. So they came in with numbers on their hands, and they got um, to come in and pick up toys for their kids. Right on. And uh, we actually had toys left over. Um, you guys just totally blew us out of the water. And so we actually had maybe one, one table worth of toys that we were able to actually take over to the Castle Rock Police Department's toy drive and was able to share with them. And so um, it kept going. So um, each week we have people that come in here. In fact, yesterday I learned this from a lady that I didn't, I didn't know about this. She actually runs a program out of her house where she takes care of elderly people. And um, she goes, Scott, um, if it wasn't for you guys, um, I wouldn't be able to do what I do. Um, my operation would cease. Mm. And so um, it's just amazing the type of people and what we're able to do. Yeah. We actually have a, a dental program now where we have people come in um, for dental work. And this um, mobile dental lab comes around and they take care of these folks and um, offer them dental work. So we actually had a gentleman come in about a month ago and he received uh, new dentures at no cost. And um, this guy just, I mean, you see him now. If he wasn't with his mask on, I mean, he, he just blows you away with a smile. Mm -hmm. So I took a picture of him a couple of weeks ago and gave him the pictures, some five-by-sevens for him to send to his mom. And he was very excited about that. So it's amazing how what we're doing here is touching yeah. the community. Yeah. And I want to thank all of you, all yeah. of you for um, the toy donations um, the food donations, we actually have a box out there in the foyer there where um, you can put um, food in. You can bring food in on um, Saturday afternoon starting at 2 o'clock, and you can bring it past, and um, we'll put it out there on the tables. Um, and then also thank you for the, the other gifts, um, the financial gifts that you have um, provided for us. Yeah. So we found out a couple weeks ago that the um, Castle Rock Rotary is going to um, award us um, some funds uh, from their program for what we're doing. And so we're able to do even more. And That's it's great. amazing because the ball is rolling That's and great. we're having a blast doing it. That's great. How can people uh, help? How can they get involved? Um, we actually have a core of volunteers that we've um, been doing this from the beginning with down here. And with the COVID thing, 
it's, um, we haven't necessarily opened it up to a lot of people, but we're hoping that eventually we'll be able to bring in more volunteers from the congregation. Yeah. But our core group is amazing. We have about eight of us um, as a core group on the Saturday that comes in and does this. Yeah. Um, so um, if they want to bring um, food, that yeah. would be awesome. We'd yeah. love to have you bring um, non-perishable food items. You can drop them off anytime here. Or um, if you want to bring in, like, for instance, milk, and juice and things like that, that's yeah. great. We actually disperse some um, food. Um, it's it's um, meat and dairy. We have plenty of eggs every week. We have produce. We have non-perishable stuff. And we have lots of bakery things. So, right. And the folks come in each week, and they actually um, are able to choose what they want. We're not giving them a box of stuff that's already pre-made. We're letting them pick and choose what they want. Right. It's just another way of honoring them, allowing them to feel that you know they get to make a choice yeah. in, their, in life. That's awesome. So that's awesome. But I just want to thank you all for all that you have done in helping us grow this. Um, the organization actually came from um, a concept that we had. Um, I have a, a foundation. It's called the Do Only Good Foundation, and the Do Only Good Foundation is um, part of a, a apparel brand that I started many years ago where um, a portion of the proceeds from selling the apparel goes to the foundation. So then the foundation evolved into now we actually have CROPS. And CROPS stands for Castle Rock Outreach Programs. And you can find us on Facebook if you'd like. And such. You can go into CROPS and uh, see us all there. We, uh, we do this every Saturday. And we just want to thank you again so much for all that you guys do. Amen. There'll be some more information um, on ways, you know, types of food that they're looking for and uh, links to your Facebook page and that sort of thing in the e-news coming up on this Wednesday. But, Scott, thanks for your, your efforts. And, you know, it's a, a privilege for us to see the church being used in this way. You know, one of the challenges with a church building is it sits empty except for Saturday, Sunday mornings. And so we're glad that, uh, uh, that our church isn't in that model. And uh, we'll hear from Wellspring a little bit later and uh, you know that our, our building is buzzing uh, uh, seven days a week. So thanks, Scott. Well, thank you, guys. <clears throat> so uh, when uh, back in March, uh, and Christy Fuller's going to come on up now, back in March, uh, when uh, uh, shutdowns started and uh, we just started to learn more about COVID, we actually had a uh, team from Castle Oaks that was uh, in South Africa. And so Christy was part of that team. Uh, you see her here. And uh, they visited uh, Christian Life Center in Chatsworth, South Africa. And uh, one of the things that we do here at, uh, well, I'll get to this in a second. We'll talk about your, your team first. So it's March. And uh, you and uh, these four other ladies are in uh, South Africa. And uh, you started hearing about COVID. What was that like as you look back now? <laughs> So, um, yeah, it, uh, it's unreal, surreal. Oh, geez. <laughs> um, <laughs> I guess, um, it, it, it seems like a lifetime ago, honestly. So, uh, yeah, we, right. we left and, uh, you know, we don't know much about COVID. We didn't hear much about COVID. We didn't, honestly didn't, yeah. I feel like we went kind of blindsided. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, so it was, uh, interesting because some of us, we're better about not looking at phone and world news than others. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, the, the news that we were getting was interesting. Things like toilet paper shortages <laughs> in the right. U.S. Right. And we were like, what is going right. on? One, one of those on the trip is my wife, Debbie. And she <laughs> sent me a message saying, we're here and there's a run on toilet paper. Do we have toilet paper? And I'm like, I don't know if we do or not. Why is there a run? I, yeah. I hadn't even heard there was a run on toilet paper. Right. So. My husband did the same thing. I'm like, do we have toilet paper? He's like, I don't know. Why do, why do we care? <laughs> so, That's funny. Yeah. So. Yeah. So it was an amazing group of women. I, yeah. uh, I, I truly, truly uh, just the most amazing women that you could mm-hmm. ever. Hopefully some of you know them and mm-hmm. um, was it was an amazing experience to be able to do this with them. Yeah. Yeah. One of the uh, ministries here at Castle Oaks every year is the, uh, we pack shoe boxes for Operation Christmas Child. 
And uh, this is uh, worship in the park. I think this, I don't know, in the fall sometime. And these are all the shoe boxes that were empty at the time that we asked people to take and, and fill them up and bring them back. And so we've been doing that sort of uh, Operation Christmas Child for many years. And really the main purpose of this trip was to see the other side of that equation because uh, Siva Moodley, who's the pastor at Christian Life Center, is uh, also the country director for Operation Christmas Child. It's a non-paid position. He just helps to coordinate and facilitate the distribution of these boxes in South Africa. So tell us what it was like to see the other side of the the unpacking, uh, if you will. Yeah. So that was one of the, the most amazing things. I mean, I think if you've been around the church for a while, you've probably seen the boxes or been a part of that or had your kids fill them up. But to be on the other side of that and really see how this works and what that ministry is, it's more than just giving boxes for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, it really, truly is about, um, you know, that gospel message and getting that out to the ends of the, of the world. Mm-hmm. So to be able to see... Um, kids being thrown in uh, <laughs> trucks, and I can't tell you how many kids, uh, you know, uh, put in one truck to get to these distribution sites, and the gospel message being um, given so mm-hmm. eloquently with pictures, and, mm-hmm. you know, the, the spirit of these people that are involved in this ministry is Truly, mm. truly amazing. Um, mm. So, you know, a new appreciation for this little box and how much joy mm. <laughs> they bring. And it really, truly centers mm. around that gospel message. Mm. Um, and a couple of things for me, I think, you know, kids are kids and it doesn't matter the language barrier. Joy yeah. is joy. Right. brings so much joy to them. Um, you know, little girls like dolls and stuffed animals, regardless of where they're from, and little boys like trucks. And to be able to just see that play out yeah. um, is real, it was really a special experience. That's, that's sweet. Um, in addition to running a church, being a pastor, and uh, facilitating the Operation Christmas Child, uh, Pastor Siva uh, has and his wife, Ronnie, have a... Uh, deep passion for caring for the vulnerable and especially vulnerable children and and they run an orphan program and uh, we work with them at World Orphans and uh, we're proud to do so. When the lockdown started in April in South Africa, um, lockdown in places like South Africa or Ethiopia, Guatemala, uh, it's more significant than it is here. Number one, the, the enforcement is much more strict and when you're uh, relying on uh, today's uh, wages, whatever those might be, to purchase today's food, and you're not able to get out, uh, that has significant impact. And so uh, Pastor Siva and his team uh, were determined to uh, distribute food. Um, and uh, they uh, set out to uh, distribute uh, a thousand uh, food hampers to a thousand families over the course of uh, just a few weeks during their uh, their most uh, intense lockdown period. And so we did a fundraiser, and uh, we helped them to do that here at Castle Oaks. And so it was a, a real privilege. And I don't know, you've this is a. a, a picture of their feeding program. They do a feeding program several times a, a week um, to feed kids on their way home from school. They call it the halfway home uh, feeding program because kids are about halfway to their homes walking uh, on their way home from school and they stop for a meal. So um, thanks for sharing with us, Christy. And we're going to show just a quick, uh, Pastor Siva sent us a, a thank you video that we'd like to show Um, for participating in their food distribution program. Warm greetings from Christian Life Center, South Africa. My name is Pastor Siva Mudli. I want to really express my thanks and gratitude to Castle Oaks Church for assisting us in our food basket tribe where we wanted to raise 1,000 food baskets We thank Castle Oaks for helping us in this food drive where they had supported us with 400 food baskets. We eventually were able to reach 1,000 families with a food basket. We want to express our thanks and gratitude to Castle Oaks that we were able to reach these 1,000 families. 
So uh, Chris Turpo is joining me now. And for those that uh, don't know Chris and his wife, Lauren, uh, was it five years ago that you moved? Yeah. Five years ago, Chris and Lauren um, were sent by Castle Oaks uh, through World Orphans to live and serve in Guatemala. And uh, why don't you remind people uh, who you are and uh, what your role is with World Orphans and your connection to Guatemala? Sure. Um, so it's uh, kind of cool to be back here. I haven't really been in this building since March uh, mm-hmm. because of COVID. We've got two little ones at home, so it's just been a weird season, as many of you experienced. But um, yeah, it was October of 2015 when my wife and I were sent by World Orphans in Castle Oaks to uh, Guatemala. We lived there for three years up until just about October of 2018. Um, and it was just an amazing time serving there with World Orphans and getting a chance to work with uh, the local church there. Um, we met so many amazing people, people we still call friends, uh, some of whom we consider uh, as close as family as well. Um, and our roles were... Uh, they were pretty varied, but I would say uh, what we worked on majority of the time was um, fostering relationships with the local church, with pastors, with members of their churches who are specifically working with families, uh, most of the, mo- the mo- most vulnerable and uh, orphan populations in the city. Um, there were, when we were there, I believe nine churches. Now I think there's upwards of 11. 11 yeah. um, so it's, it's continuing to grow. And it was just such an amazing thing to be a part of that. Um, we also hosted many of the teams that came down from the U.S. Um, as many of you know, the World Orphans Model partners U.S. churches with international churches. And so we got to host uh, the U.S. churches that came to visit their partners. And so building relationships on both sides of that and um, just watching that relationship deepen and watching the care and the love for, for each of the, their partners, their pastors, just grow was uh, probably the biggest blessing uh, while we were there. And... Um, I had the added privilege of actually working uh, in another arena down there. We had dreams and aspirations of starting an economic empowerment program, which um, was just a fancy way of saying basically that we wanted to create opportunities uh, for, for individuals there, mainly some of the, the moms and the family members to get employment and to earn skills or learn skills that they could use to earn money. Yeah. Um, because many of them work very informal and irregular jobs and it's difficult to provide for their kids. Um, so... Myself and uh, a young man named Pedro at the time, um, we kind of put our heads together when World Orphans hired him, and we started working on some stuff to, to create savings groups. Um, we started a cooperative of sowers in 2017 um, that is still going today, uh, thankfully, uh, and thriving, I would say, as well. They're doing very well. Um, and, uh, yeah, we just worked, uh, worked with a local church on everything we did to try to make sure that we got into these lives, into these communities, and, and impacted the people that really needed it. Um, tragically, uh, about a year after Pedro was hired, he uh, was shot and killed on the way home from a late-night church service. Um, he was a, a good friend and, and just a, a pleasure to work with. He really captured the vision of World Orphans. Mm. Um, and the way he sought to empower and love the people of the community. Um, and he left a powerful legacy, um, a big hole in some ways, and it was right before we were getting ready to move back to the U.S. So um, it was another season of pivoting, to be honest, uh, with World Orphans, and I know that it really rocked our community down there, rocked our World Orphans family up here. Um, but I am, I am grateful and thankful to be able to say that we uh, hired a few weeks after I got back to the U.S., uh, this wonderful young lady named Carla Cristales, um, who has taken the program to uh, new heights. Uh, she really, she really took the legacy that Pedro had started and, and moved it in a direction to expand and just uh, create even more yeah. uh, of the same vision and, and same love for the people. So very blessed to have worked with her as well. Yeah. And you continue on with World Orphans, mm-hmm. and I know your, your role now is mostly in facilitating good partnership between U.S. churches and Guatemala churches, and you and Lauren both do that with excellence still. Um, give us a sense for what things were like uh, in Guatemala in 2020. What, uh, what were some of the challenges from COVID and, and how, that was, uh, how the churches overcame that? Certainly. Um, as I kind of mentioned a little earlier, that uh, many of the people in Guatemala work very informal jobs. So, um, and as hard as it has been here in the U.S., 
I try to imagine myself doing the same thing, but without stimulus checks, without any insurance, without um, really, really, there's no medical care for a lot of people who get sick. So you really just end up hunkering down and praying that the virus doesn't impact you or your family. Because if it does, there's, there's nothing that you can do. Um, and on top of that, because Guatemala, like so many countries around the world, experience those same economic shutdowns, um, the earning potential of each of these families was just devastated overnight. Um, and they literally, they live hand to mouth. So what they earn that day pays for that food tomorrow. And so by not working today, they go hungry tomorrow. And so overnight, when that happened in March, it was just devastating to these families immediately. Um, and it really got the wheels spinning of the team down there and our teams up here, we know, what are we going to do about that? Um, and so in June, we rolled out a, um, a food for families campaign. Uh, the World Orphans is implemented in various countries, but in Guatemala, um, it was especially impactful. I don't know if it's the connection that so many churches have in Guatemala or if it's just uh, maybe a proximity to the U.S., but uh, they were able to raise over $60,000 in a month um, to pay for food to be distributed to those families and churches. And um, as I was talking with some of our coworkers in Guatemala just over the weekend, that has impacted almost 300 families monthly on average since this started, which is phenomenal because that is almost double the normal amount of families we work with, which means that the church is not only feeding the families that they were already caring for, but they're using it as outreach opportunities for the rest of the community. Um, And and it's really become a lifeline for so many because they're seeing it as um, when the government is not able to provide for me, when I can't work, when there's no food to be had, I can go to the church, I can talk to the pastor, and, and they'll have something. And even if they don't have something, they'll pray with me, they'll encourage me. And there's been so many opportunities where pastors have actually been invited into the streets to patrol with the police um, as they've gone around their rounds and just praying for the community and preaching um, when no one else is even allowed outside. And so it's really created these amazing opportunities for outreach. Yeah. Um, so World Orphans, we're not primarily a relief organization. Uh, we don't do normally do food distribution and that sort of thing. But in the season of COVID, it became uh, really clear that that was needed. And uh, globally, across our programs, we were able to raise, in a very short amount of time, uh, over $145,000 for food distribution last year. So it was a real uh, tool for churches to be able to use, like you said, for outreach and to really meet those hurting in their community. What's on the horizon? What's coming in 2021? Um, so as I, I just rewind maybe a little bit when I talked about some of those savings groups and some of the economic empowerment stuff that we were doing, um, I think that is some of the most exciting things that are happening in Guatemala right now. Yeah. Um, when Pedro and I started the savings groups back in 2017, we had one group meeting with seven participants, um, which felt like a huge victory because we were just getting something brand new off the ground. This last year... Carla had 13 groups and over 135 people saving money and learning about Jesus weekly um, and, and meeting each other's needs by actually giving one another loans at very small rates. And, uh, and without going into a crazy amount of detail with the savings group, it, this is just in, incredibly impactful because these people aren't, they can't access these sorts of things, these resources. And yet now they're allowed to have money to pay for their kids to go to school, to pay for businesses, uh, to cover health care. Needs And so in this year, we're super excited to be able to see the growth of that exponentially as it's grown over the last few years. But we've also, uh, Carla and the team have really started to push, you know, how can we get more families from the community involved with this uh, savings opportunities? And, and we're talking about the poorest of the poor. And last year, there were 24 families participating. But the goal is to really try to create an incentive, incentivize them to, to participate in greater numbers next year. Um, and on top of that... Um, as Scott mentioned earlier, I work primarily in, in advocating for the international partnerships and uh, trying to find and seek new, new U.S. partners to partner with churches around the world. And so uh, we're really excited to have um, several churches who are seriously considering partnership in Guatemala and Haiti and Ethiopia uh, this next year. We hope to sign up a few in the next quarter. So, so yeah. very excited about what's, what God is doing through that. Yeah. And I know the team down there is really working hard on, on vocational training and skills development in hopes of being able to help uh, primarily women, but uh, women and families in our program really be able to produce things that they can sell uh, both locally and uh, uh, elsewhere, which we'll get to in a second. So uh, thanks, Chris. Um, 
One of our partners, uh, in addition, uh, is Sun International, and uh, you may have uh, seen Todd and Ann Zims uh, up here before. And Sun International manufactures and distributes clean water uh, filters, and they provide education and training on hygiene and water sanitation. And in doing so, they introduce people to the living water, Jesus Christ. So we have just a short video from uh, Sun here. Sun International has been one of our longest standing partners in ministry. Um, from our earliest days of the formation of this church, Sun International was one of our partners, and we felt it was important from the beginning to support the work uh, around the world that uh, great organizations are doing, so uh, we're grateful for them. Um, Nicole DeVries, welcome. Um, uh, many of you know Nicole from her, uh, she's part, her and, and Jesse and their family are part of our family here at Castle Oaks and uh, through her work at Wellspring. So it's been an interesting year for Wellspring for sure, right? It, it sure has, <laughs> but we're not unique in that. <laughs> uh, tell us a little bit about, uh, there's been some changes and uh, COVID, uh, lot, COVID has driven a lot of those, but uh, give us an update sure. on uh, some of the changes. For sure. Um, it's been an interesting year at Wellspring, but it has been, um, as I look back, it's been a great year. We've um, had some really good things happen. We had some staffing changes that happened. I was hired as the director of development over a year and a half ago, and um, Wellspring, like m most nonprofits when the pandemic hit, didn't know how it was going to affect our programming and our fundraising. So we just decided to stay focused on our mission and cut as many expenses as we could. Um, when we hit the summer, we realized that this was lasting a lot longer than we thought it was going to be. So we made um, some staffing changes and um, took some people from leadership resigned. And the board then appointed me as executive director um, at that time. And what that let us do was that let us protect our direct support staff. And um, it's humbling to sit in this position for me, but I'm super grateful for the caring and smart staff that we have at Wellspring that really has done the heavy lifting and helped us get through this last year. Yeah, it was a, it was a tough season for, for a lot of organizations for sure. Um, but in spite of that, Great things continues to happen, right? And so Great. tell us Amazing some things have right, happened. Right. So um, when we had to suspend our in-person programming in March, um, our staff quickly pivoted, like a lot of other um, organizations have, but they, they quickly pivoted and created and launched a virtual program in two weeks' time. So by April 6th, we were up online, um, and our stars were able to engage on Zoom, which it was just awesome to see their beautiful faces showing up in those little squares every day. Um, but for four hours um, each weekday, our stars were engaging in dance and fitness and cooking and science and art therapy, all these amazing creative classes. So... Um, 
it, it threw us into a brand new program that has actually been very life-giving for a lot of people, especially those that are not ready to leave their homes yet. So that launched April 6th, and then we were able to come back into person in July. We did um, small cohorts throughout the metro area, and um, since, um, since July, we've been able to offer both in-person and virtual programming to our stars, and it's been actually pretty incredible. It's been really hard, but it's been yeah. incredible. That's awesome. Uh, at World Orphans, uh, we've done some joint ventures uh, in the past, and uh, we've had Aaron Boyd, who's led worship here at the church uh, before, but uh, we've partnered with Aaron and the choir on a number of occasions, and it's been super fun to see that interaction and just to see that, uh, uh, how that's come together. And uh, this year, we have another uh, venture that we're, we're we're going to do together and uh, tell people what that's all about. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about this. You know, Scott and I started talking well over a year ago about how Wellspring and World Orphans could partner together, how we could collaborate. And we have great mission alignment in terms of that we both focus on empowering um, what are typically considered marginalized popula populations. Um, and as we started discussing our needs, we realized that we actually had needs that our organizations had needs that we could meet if we worked together. So one of the things Wellspring does, our, our mission is to empower the lives of adults with special needs um, through educational enrichment and employment opportunities. Um, we call the people in our program STARS, if you hear me say that. Um, the STARS are the adults in our program. It stands for Especially Talented Adults Raising Standards. Um, but one of the things that we've had to put on hold, and which has been really hard, is to have employment opportunities for our STARS. Um, and we feel that that's really important. There's nothing more empowering than having life-giving work to do. We've had to put that on hold. Um, we have a bakery, an art studio, and a garden that all um, produce products that our stars could sell if we had a place to sell them. And we used to have a cafe where our stars were able to serve people in the community face-to-face. Uh, -face. And since we haven't had that, that's been one of the things our stars have missed the most. They love to be able to be face-to-face -face with people in the community and serving them. So Wellspring has, a, um, has been gifted a, a building down on Perry Street that we have used for our art studio. But our plan is to actually change that art studio into a unique retail location. Um, and this will allow our stars um, the ability to sell the products that they produce, but also be able to serve community members. Um, we want to put a coffee cart in there and um, source our coffee through World Orphans, but have our, our stars be able to be employed and work there. But it also meets a need for World Orphans as well. It does, in that, you know, Chris mentioned our uh, artisan training program down in Guatemala and uh, the sewing co-op, and we have them in other countries as well, Ethiopia, South Africa, or really trying to help create jobs, create revenue for families so that they can uh, care for their children better. And uh, we lack the, the, the place to be able to sell those as well. And so uh, we're going to collaborate together to open a store at that uh, house on Perry Street. And uh, we will sell uh, products from our uh, artisans around the world, bags and purses and, and jewelry and uh, those types of things, uh, the world artisan uh, market kind of a thing. And uh, at the same time, be able to collaborate with Wellspring as they provide that platform for their stars as well. And we can work together in the community to get uh, word out to churches and, and uh, uh, an opportunity for people in our churches. Uh, we Both organizations have a number of partner churches in Castle Rock that would love to help us with that. And so there'll be many volunteer opportunities uh, at the store that we hope to, to get uh, kicked off sometime in the late spring. So... How, uh, how are people, how can people get involved? Yeah, I think one of the things that excites me the most about this um, collaboration and this project is that uh, we need a lot of people to make it happen. We need a lot of people to say, yes, I want to help. Um, and every person, every person sitting in this room, every person online has something that they could give to a project like this. Um, I think it was uh, Frederick Buchner that said, the place God is calling you to is the place where your great passions and the world's great needs meet. And when we do collaborations and projects like this, it really does allow that to happen for people. And you get to step into your calling. What is God calling you to do? 
Um, so there's, there's many ways to get involved, and um, I'm excited to see what happens as people from Castle Oaks and people from our community start to actually bring the kingdom of heaven to earth and, and create um, um, that in a very tangible way, and that, that's what is possible through this. Yeah. Um, first, we just need people to, we want it to be volunteer run and managed once we get it up and running, so if that's something that you want to be a part of, once we're up and running, we're hoping um, by late spring, early summer, to be able to launch that. If you want to give an hour of your time every week and just come work in the store, that's going to be a possibility. Mm-hmm. We also need people um, with professional skills and knowledge to help us get it going, because I don't think Scott and I have it. <laughs> we, I, haven't, I haven't opened a store lately. Yeah, but, uh, we haven't. We don't know what we're doing. So we need people that... Um, have the knowledge to, and maybe it's those people that have said, I've never felt like there's something I could do with my skills. We need that. Um, And so if you want to help us plan and um, execute and get this up and running, we'd love to have you with that. And then um, one of the major things for Wellspring is that our art studio is located in that building right now. We need someplace else for that building to go. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, not that building, the, the art studio class to go. So I'm currently looking for new space for, um, to hold our art studio. Um, and, and I'm just going to throw it out there because you never know what happens when God's people hear about a need. Um, But even if you just say, I want to pray for this project, I want to commit to praying, uh, you know, every week for what's happening, that would be a gift that we would covet from you. So um, if you're interested in getting involved in either way, talk to Scott or I, and we'd love to get you hooked up and get you going. Thanks, Nicole. And I realize we've gone a little bit long, and um, Josh is back there doing one of these on me. But uh, uh, there's a, a few other organizations that do great work that we partner with, and we're, we're privileged to, whether it be uh, Hope's Promise or Ideas or the work through our denomination and, and uh, Serve Globally and uh, Covenant World Relief. Uh, for over 100 years, uh, our denomination has been about bringing the kingdom uh, to come through their work of mercy and compassion. So let me pray for us as Josh and the the team come back up. Lord, we are grateful for... for your love for us, for your, uh, for your uh, grace and the way that you uh, bring us together. And uh, Lord, we're grateful for these organizations that are doing great work and that are our hands and feet and your hands and feet and that we get to participate with them through our, our giving, through our prayers, through our encouragement and through our service. And so, Lord, we pray that you would give us uh, eyes to see opportunities, to love like you love, to care about the things you care about, to show mercy and kindness, and to expand your kingdom. And we're grateful for the opportunity to participate with you in that. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.